Yo, what's up? What's up, man? Let me uh, see if I can blast my audio. I know this mic is okay. Can you hear me well? I can hear you well. How you doing? Is there is there wind noise or are we good? I'm outside. You're all good. All right, cool. I'm uh calling in from sunny sunny Florida, so nice. I figured I'd get myself outside if I could could be blessed. And also, the interior of this Airbnb is not the most aesthetic, so. <laughs> What are you doing uh, in Florida right now? What are you up to? Uh, well, legitimately, it, for me, it's like more or less a vacation. I mean, I'm still doing a lot of the same work that I was um, or am, but because I can work remotely and I'm building an online business, I have the luxury of being able to do it from anywhere. And one of my friends who's still in university, he is trying to make it as like a fitness influencer. And here in the area we're in, in Florida, Stewart, Florida, Port St. Lucie area, um, it's like north of Fort Lauderdale, but they happen to have a uh, revived gym, which is owned partially by or is associated with the raw nutrition brand, which is Chris Bumstead, the Mr. Olympia. Nice. So it's like a fitness influencer space. He's like an ambassador for the brand. So he wanted to come down and like network with other athletes and all that stuff. And I like to train. I like to train with him. And so we're here kind of to just lift and get jacked and tan, I guess. I love that. <laughs> Hey man, that that's awesome. So I've been excited to talk with you on the podcast. You're someone that I find to be extremely interesting. We only linked up recently through Twitter, but you're someone who I could immediately relate to and um, feel like I could understand on a deeper level than what I typically would someone that I just met. Uh, mm -hmm. You're you're still in your early twenties, right? Yeah, currently 23, we'll be turning 24 uh, in April, so. Cool, almost April on, what? Almost on to the Kobe year. <laughs> April, April 18th for all the numerology people out there. Nice, cool. My life path is like. Kobe, Kobe year is a good year. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, so so you're, you're still extremely young, but um, I would say one of the more wise people that I've been able to connect with online and um, in a way that's extremely aware. And uh, you're you're very present in in what you're sharing and when you do. You're the host of the Vitruvian uh, podcast, correct? Sure. I might have lost you there. Oh, Vitruvian Man podcast. Yeah, the the Vitruvian Man podcast, right? And also, yes, you're running the Vitruvian uh, Man program, correct? Yes, sir. I am. Um. So. As I was looking into your program and I just started to listen to your podcast over the last few weeks, what really resonated me with me was that you're extremely deep and what you're doing and how you're trying to help men and uh, those alike is is different than the typical fitness trainer or um, you know the the typical uh, gym rat. Um, so, can you start by explaining what is the Vitruvian Man program um, and what's the reason that you started your podcast and uh, what are you planning on doing with that going forward? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, right. that'll, I feel like that'll unpack a lot and um, get us going. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the Vitruvian Man program, it takes its namesake from the famous Leonardo da Vinci sketch with the man in the circle in the square, um, kind of this picture of the idyllic proportioned male physique and uh i grew up being tremendously inspired by leonardo himself being kind of the consummate renaissance man 
um, not only an inventor, but also an anatomist, a high artist, um, a botanist, really just a true polymath uh, studier of all things. And I think that is something that as men, we have the capability to be so much. So I think that that capability gets the duty to do so. So when I sought out to build what I was creating with that program, um, it is very congruent kind of with myself and my interests throughout time. And then uh, I knew that going into develop creating some sort of product to help people, um, I wanted it to not really be in one specific lane. Like I have plenty of knowledge. I could write a fitness program. There's plenty of them out there. There's tons that are free online. There's excellent coaches better than I could ever be um, in that specific, I guess, niche or category. Um, and I also thought it would be a little bit inauthentic to myself because it would be leaving out a lot that I think interests me and also is encapsulated in my story and what I think is important about the human experience. You know, everybody's met the guy who's super jacked or shredded, but can only talk about the protein in his next meal. Right. And nobody wants to me that nobody wants to be that guy or meet that guy. So I think, like I said, it's the idea of building yourself into a Renaissance man, becoming some sort of aspirational figure. So the program has kind of three major through lines, which I uh, term the three Vitruvian identities that you're assuming into. And those three are man as the engineer, the scientist, and the artist. So the mm -hmm. engineer is you're developing your body, the physical vehicle through which you experience life. I think it's a non-negotiable as a man. You have to train rigorously. You have to take care of your health. And ultimately, like the image, it's at the center of self-mastery because if your health is gone, you have nothing else to build upon, right? It becomes mm -hmm. the priority if something goes wrong. And also, I think it's, especially for myself, but I think for many people, once you start to see the physical transformation, you can build from that a sense of, one, control over your environment, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh, the inputs I chose to do changed my physical reality. And then also it has an energetic effect as well. Like when you feel confident in the, and you're proud of the person you see in the mirror, you walk into a room and, and you're the man and people look at you and like you're developed. It's such an easy separator. And part of that is serving the ego for sure. But there's also, I think something intrinsic to that, um, with a higher value. So that is the man is the engineer. And then you're also, it's also important that as you're developing your body, you develop that mindset as well. So mm -hmm intentionally de des designing your mindset so that in time that mindset can design your life around you. Um, I think a lot of times people, and th this has a lot in it, you know, it's a 12 week program. There's a lot to cover and we are blessed with the kind of the breadth of time to really go into it, do a lot of introspective work, um, which for the guys looks like a lot of like journaling practices, prompts, all that kind of stuff, but exploring your belief sets, your values, clearly defining them. Mm. A lot of times we are just a, I guess a, a a bad reproduction or an amalgamation of all the beliefs that have been around us, whether it's our family environments, our yeah. schools. Um, one of the weeks we actually talk specifically on beliefs and we do an, a belief origin tracing exercise and there's kind of categories from where they come from. And it's important to know where those were entered into your mind. And it doesn't mean revoke all belief or be kind of anti-establishment entirely, but a lot of times the things that we come to believe we don't really analyze and then you get down the road and you're kind of operating subconsciously on a lot of these principles, but you don't know one, if it's serving your highest self, which you've defined at the beginning of the program, like your master vision for yourself, your goals, exactly who you want to be. Um, and are those beliefs aligned with it? So deep introspective work about your mindset. And then once you have the tools and kind of the framework of what you're trying to build out, how do you remove limiting beliefs, 
identify mm-hmm. those limiting beliefs, et cetera. And then that final identity is man is the artist. I think that as um, men, also, can you hear that in the background? The click barely, barely. Okay, okay, cool, cool. Um, but man is the artist. I think we, as men, are put here for a specific purpose. I think it's super, super important to be purpose and meaning driven. Um, obviously, not the first guy to speak about it. Viktor Frankl, excellent book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, um, talks about the power and physical effects of having a a why. He quotes, the book can be kind of distilled down to the Nietzsche quote, which he references, which is, uh, a man can bear any how with a why. Mm. Um, I think I've misquoted it, but something to that effect. And it's important that we identify that purpose so that you're not just kind of floating down the line. Like I want some sort of better life for myself. What is better? Um, and how can I, my, how, how can my highest self, my true identity of who I am serve the world and the people around me? So when you're moving in that direction, it makes it really easy to do hard things. It makes it really easy to stay consistent. It makes it really easy to be disciplined and it really does, um, shift the frame of life, I think, in a meaningful way. So finding what that purpose is and aligning with it, and then also being a creative force, uh, creating more than you're consuming in a world where there's so much out there. And I mean, ironically, yes, I am now creating content that people will consume, a podcast, whatever. (laughs) So I do fully acknowledge the irony there, but I think it's important that you curate that information diet so that you're only hearing things like this, you know, like meaningful conversations. And then once your consumption is controlled and specifically chosen, turning it around and saying, what do I have to give to the world and being a creative force. So in the program, one of the things we do is what I call the Da Vinci project, where you take some idea from your head and actually bring it into physical reality. I'm a very Mm -hmm. tactile person. And I think that creating things with your hands as a man is extremely important. It's a confidence builder. It shows you domain over your physical reality. It's a competency too. It goes back to the things that you can add to your bucket of being a complete man, being a Renaissance man and saying like, I'm confident in wielding my hands to do something. I, that table over there, I built that. That, that, that bookshelf, I built that. That painting on the wall in my room, like I painted that. So it can, it takes many forms. You know, one of the, my favorites thus far from the program was Walker. He's an alumni. He did a top down camera rig for his film photography setup. Um, so it was really cool to just see the breadth of creativity and allow people to have that space. I think it's one of those things, kind of like homework. If you're not prompted to do it, you wouldn't take the time out of your day or framework, mm-hmm. but having that environment of other people doing the same, having a bit of a discourse and then getting the excuse to exercise creativity. I think many, many jobs out there um, end up being you know, left-brained or whatever, very uh, reason-driven, logical, ordered, but that's an entire hemisphere of your brain. And then in spirituality, it's an entire side of your spirit that is completely unaddressed and I think will wither if it isn't allowed to flourish. So I, I like that you even brought up the spirit there because something I think about when I'm considering health and how I'm helping people in their or on their health journey is the integration of the physical, the mental, and the spiritual. And what grabs my attention about your approach is just that. It's a full spectrum approach. I always found an issue with just a physical approach because even in my own health journey, it was more mental than it was physical. Of course, I put in a shit ton of work to get to where I am today, but there was more of that mental component where I had to put in uh, or I had to make the decision or the choice to put in that effort and um, expend that energy in order to do so. 
So in your opinion, is the why the connector between those three? Having that why, is that what helps integrate and align the, the yeah, mental, I, physical and the spiritual? I, I almost see the why as an orientation point and a North Star to kind of aim at. Um, I think that it's one thing I talk about in the program to delineate with, and I think it's important um, because when we use purpose, it's a pretty loaded word. Right. Um, and so I delineate between outer and inner purpose. And so outer purpose is the what of what you're doing right now. We are podcasting. Um, you know, one day I will be a father. When I was young, I was an athlete. Um, I was a student. Now I'm an entrepreneur, uh, a creator, an artist, all of these things. But that that changes as your life is going on the right. outer purpose but what is true and what is always being realized whether you re recognize it or not on a conscious level is your inner purpose the the being or the eye between behind who you are that's always being actualized and realized because you know a perfect example is going through a heartbreak in a relationship you can't explain in the moment why it hurts so much or it feels like it's the wrong thing that happened or even you take it to an extreme maybe you get cheated on or something traumatic in your life happens those are divine redirections your inner purpose is always being realized you left that relationship or that person left your life to show you maybe it's your value maybe it's something you want out of a partner maybe it's something you don't maybe it's to open up the opportunity for you to focus on yourself give you time to pour into a business whatever it may be. And we always get to view that in hindsight. You know, we get years down the road, we're with somebody that really fills us up compared to previous partners. And it's like, ah, I'm so glad that that relationship ended, but you know, wind the clock back of crying, right? <laughs> it's hard. And so that inner purpose is always being realized. And so the inner purpose and aligning with that is hard, but that's more of just trusting yourself, trusting God, universe source, to carry you through life and know that you're operating with it. And a lot of that comes with uh, listening to your intuition, becoming more in tune with yourself. You'll start to feel like you're in it. Uh, it's really hard to describe uh, to those that really haven't. And I think it does take a level of conscientiousness, which kind of the program curates is an observation and reflection of yourself, which starts to curate that intentionality, that introspection, which I think in turn allows you to be still and listen to God when he tries to speak in the silence. Um, and so, yeah, the outer purpose is is the what, and it can change. And mm -hmm. that's what I love about the threefold approach is, and and also having you know training as the core, because you can always do that. It is very granular. The there's X's, there's O's, and you can do it every single day, even if you don't know what your business is going to look like down the road, even if you don't know right. who your future partners will be, where you're going to be living. Like even in my life right now, it's a it's a transition point. I'm, I'm young. There's going to be a lot changing. I don't have a long-term partner right now. Um, there's so much ahead of me that will be externally changed. But internally, I know that I need to continue to take care of myself. So that looks like training every single day, taking care of my nutrition. And, and then it's kind of like, I look at it as like tertiary layers of self-development mm. um, or maybe integrated circles like a Venn diagram where they're all kind of, you're pushing towards one. But if you are, ever feel lost, you can always return to the simple stuff and the North star that purpose with a capital P maybe is just an aiming point, understanding what are your specific gifts? What is, what is special about you? I love that. I never really differentiated between the outer and the inner purpose, 
but I, I totally get it though. It makes sense. Yeah. I think it's, it's hard when, when you say like, and it's a big thing to purport and obviously outcomes are tough. And even the way I've described this program makes it very hard to market because it's really not niched. The results are not clearly defined. It's, it's harder to articulate, but I think in that way, right. It has to be embodied. And also it's, it's a microcosm of life. Life is muddy. Life is all these shades of gray. It's it's not clearly defined. The outcomes you cannot say in the moment are good or bad. They are just happening. We'll see what direction they take uh, in the future. And so, yeah, that the, the delineation, I think, is important to make it less airy-fairy or, or imperceptible. Because if you say like, hey, in this 12-week program, you're going to find your life's purpose. Right. Like, <laughs> it's really hard to say. But what I can confidently say is that you'll feel more aligned with who you are and be able to hear the signals do reflective work to see, all right, up until this point in my life, one of the exercises in the program that I, I took from Richard Koch, he wrote the 80-20 principle and 80-20 your life and a number of other books, but he talks about the happiness islands exercise. And you look back across your life and you look at the moments of time, places you were, or things you were doing uh, that brought you disproportionate return of happiness or mm. fulfillment on your time. So that could look like a specific trip you took. It could be... Um, uh, the years you were playing a sport, it could be playing Legos as a kid. That's one for me. And once you have all those written out, clearly defined, maybe some of the components that were involved, were you with people? Were you not? Who was there? Was it indoors, outdoors? You start to connect the dots and say, all right, something in here, this is the ingredient list at least to make me fulfilled. And then we can start to actualize towards how does that look in an outer purpose in maybe a career path, maybe whatever. Um, and then that's where the Ikigai exercise is integrated. I don't know if you're familiar with Ikigai, the Japanese term for a reason for being it's gotten popularized online a lot. Um, which is awesome because I think it's really, really powerful. And again, purpose, hard to define. Ikigai is an excellent framework, uh, a a physical diagram that you can write down and actually just kind of piece by piece, start to explore yourself. Um, and I think that's a lot of what is necessary when people feel lost is just giving some sort of framework to start chipping away. I've noticed even in my own life and with people that I work with, sometimes you don't realize how lost you are. Or um, in in order to know where you're going, you have to know where you are first. And frameworks like you're talking about could be the very thing that helps orient you, like you were saying. And um, then once you're oriented appropriately, you could then take the necessary steps in the right direction to go forward. So this is, this is really cool stuff. And, um, I'm thoroughly impressed that your ability to just be able to explain it and articulate it, because like you said, it's hard to articulate and it's something that has to be embodied. It's something that has to be experienced by the individual. And even when it is experienced by the individual, it's hard to measure because there's no real tangible empirical data to, to look at, to prove that I'm more aligned with truth or that I'm more aligned with who I refer to as I and me. Um, but I'm smiling more. I'm still for more time throughout the day. Um, I'm more patient. So in those ways I can tell, but it's hard to really measure it. Like you said, so how did you get to this point where you were even able to put something like that together? Um, did you have to go through your own process? Was it 
from a culmination of things that you've learned and then you just picked out what you saw work best for you? How did you get to where you are today with this? Yeah, I'll start by answering that at a high level and then a very explicit how the program kind of materialized. So at a high level, um, I've been developing myself for a very long time. Uh, I was always maybe an old soul, a mature kid a black sheep for sure amongst my peers since I was very little. So it made me weird. I thought a lot. I read a lot. Um, and I was asking hard questions to adults earlier than maybe is uh, typical. Can re- so, I can relate. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it definitely, I was kind of curious from a very young age and um, it start my self-development journey, which is uh, a bit of a blanket term, but I was a very insecure kid physically. I was always kind of chubbier and I growing up playing team sports, I was a great athlete, obviously very cerebral player, but also like had the coordination and everything. But my problem was like, I didn't look like an athlete. And so we would go to the locker room. I'd be afraid to take my shirt off around the other kids. Like I didn't have abs. I didn't look like the athletes on TV. So starts like any other kid of the internet, Google search, how to get abs, how to train, how to get jacked. And then, you know, that was the beginning of the rabbit hole for me, but it, it unfurls into this beautiful world where, okay, well, it looks like I don't just need to move weights. I need to look at what I'm eating. Well, okay. What is the mechanistic side of nutrition? Well, that's the human body and cellular metabolism. And, uh, I don't know, micronutrients, macronutrients. It's just this amazing world. And then once you start to understand the physical reality, I think pretty quickly you start to see the external layers of things like philosophy. You study the great men of history. I, I had an appreciation for history. I was raised by uh, my dad who was a history philosophy double major. He went to nice. law school so he could get a job, but he uh, he had appreciation for the great men of history. And I think I, I took to that a lot. Um, so that's the high level. I've been in it for a long time, working on myself, just really trying to master myself. Um, I consider myself still a man in the arena. I'm not a modern day prophet. I do not have it figured out, but I can with a hundred percent fervor say that I am actively pursuing it. And that's a question I get on, you know, sales calls, like why you, why should I work with you? Um, what's special about your product? And I would say that I will never purport to have it figured out. It's not really good gameplay from sales tactics perspective. You know, everyone says like position yourself as the expert, but I, one, don't want to lie to people. And I, two, I don't want to lie to myself. I'm chasing self-actualization. I'm chasing self-mastery. Um, and I'm doing it right alongside everyone and, and willing to share the the journey. And the program is a culmination of what I've learned thus far. And it's a living resource as well. I'm updating it as I find things that are helpful. It has the community aspect as there's an open discourse. So um, that is kind of why uh i'm in this space is i'm kind of obsessed with getting the most out of myself in life and so it's really special to be able to do that as also a means of living now but to answer how i kind of materialized the program itself i was heading into my senior year at university having studied biomedical engineering but always wanting to be an entrepreneur my dad had talked about how cool entrepreneurship was my entire life. I'd kind of fallen in love with the idea, been greatly inspired by guys like Steve Jobs. And the idea of being a dreamer and chasing something for yourself. And like I said, I was always kind of a black sheep. So I never really, I was a a strange shaped peg. There was no hole for me. (laughs) Um, So uh, I had a hard time even selecting what I would study at university because I love to write and read literature as much as I did calculus and physics. So I ended up choosing the hard sciences route because you know, people are like, oh, be an engineer, 
it makes money, whatever. And I don't regret my college experience at all. But regardless, I'm stepping into senior year and there's no entrepreneurship box. You can't mm -hmm. apply to be an entrepreneur. You have to make something. So I was applying to regular full-time positions. And in that path, uh, at a very similar time when I was doing that kind of recruiting process, doing a lot of these same exercises on myself, trying to define who I am, how could I share value with the world? And again, I think this is a lot of like divine timing, stuff outside of my control. But I, I truly think that the more you're aligned with yourself, the more you can tap into these opportunities. But at the similar time, I had been following Arlen Moore. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, no. but he's a, he's a creator. I'd followed him for a long time. He started out making YouTube videos when he was a student at BU, um, kind of went into his own self-development journey. He created a high-ticket program for men uh, to kind of build their social circle. And, and that was um, how I'd been following him just loosely on Instagram and, and YouTube. But he partnered with another one of his friends to build this other business course builder. And it's basically a, a course on that teaches you how to do courses. And I really don't even know how I exactly found myself there. Cause I didn't, you know, I wasn't seeking like, Oh, one, I didn't know it was a business model Two, I didn't know really anything about anything about making money online. And yet I found myself on kind of the sales call end of what their product was. Um, and I was kind of at the time contemplating buying into some of the stuff Arlen had made. He has a mindset design tool as well as the social circle thing. And I was also phasing out of my college friend group. You know, they were still focused on a lot of, I was in a fraternity in college. And so a lot of those people were very much still in that mindset. And I had had my time in that. I never really, I was always kind of one foot in one foot out, but I was taking that other foot out because I was like, I really want to chase a meaningful life. And so I was recognizing that I was going to get probably pretty lonely pretty quick. Um, so I was thinking about maybe joining into his tribe and this new product came out and I was like, well, I want to kind of chase entrepreneurship. It seems like a fit. So I actually didn't even have the money at the time to invest in it. My younger brother loaned me the money uh, nice. to buy into that program, which was an amazing moment. Uh, like teared up when it happened. But regardless, I bought into that and then through my time as a full-time position starting back uh, when I graduated up and until kind of the new year, uh, I was building this in parallel. So I went through their kind of accelerator that teaches you the framework. Um, and it's a six-week program, gives you kind of a rough idea, but doesn't tell you exactly what to do. It's more like, all right, this week we're defining your course outline. What is the product target your um, ideal student avatar, all this stuff. And Again, I, it's one of those things where I cannot tell you where it came from other than God or source, but they were like, all right, you have to come up with a name. And then for some reason, the Vitruvian man clicked or like was an image in my mind. And it just became this like kind of unfolding of a very authentic story from myself. I mean, like my arm, as you've seen on this video, like the Greek statues, the era of history, like the great painters, the Renaissance art, it all started flowing into this kind of really beautiful aesthetic story, at least the packaging of it. And then slowly building out the program. Uh, there's just a lot of like congruent messaging. Like it's a 12 week program. The the Leonardo da Vinci painting of the last supper is the 12 apostles. So each week is associated with an apostle. Um, it's just all of these layers. And again, I'm not some sort of savant, uh, I don't really think I'm all that special. I just decided to kind of work at it. And a lot of the inspiration side started to come to me. So that's kind of how I found myself. I know that's a very long winded answer. You, I can definitely ram, ramble and run <laughs> me off whenever, but no, uh, yeah, that's kind of how I found myself making this. And I'm extremely excited about what it's going to look like 
in the next five years, 10 years, because I have some pretty big dreams and visions for the brand. Um, one thing I didn't totally anticipate is how like ubiquitous and clean the brand has become aesthetically. It almost has like the, the name itself has power behind it. And that's power that I didn't give it. It's a word that was given to me. Um, but you know, people, when I, when I, when I'm reaching out to people and, you know, doing outreach to get people in the program, just dropping the name alone, it sparks curiosity. It has kind of an air of the, it calls to the era. It calls to something greater than, and I think as men, it's important that we have, we become someone that we're, is aspirational, but in the intermediate where we may, may not see ourselves as that guy, um, to aspire towards people. And I think that era is something like that, you know, like looking at a, at a statue of Hercules, like I want to build my body to look like that. I want to be a, the hero of this story. I'd say the, the marble, uh, I think the marble is something that catches my eye and I, and I like a lot the aesthetic of the marble and, um, I, I'm sure you can recall the quote better than me, but I forget who exactly said it. It might have been, was it Michelangelo or maybe it was Leonardo about um, how the sculpture is always within the marble or within the rock and how you have to uh, like, you know, piece away or take away from it to reveal its true self. And that's why when I started to look at what you were doing and how you're presenting it or packaging it, I fucking loved it from the very beginning because it it resonates on a deep level. I feel that physically and mentally, I feel that when I'm working with someone or even through my own journey, I didn't necessarily have to create a new identity. I think I had to do a lot more unlearning and unpackaging to let my true nature come out. And it's someone that I always was. Um, same thing with the physical body. I was heavier. I was 80 pounds heavier than what I am today. And like maybe six or seven years ago, I, I lost it within a year. And I, I realized I always did have a six pack underneath. I always did have abs underneath that you could just never see them because there's too much fat on top. So um, that the marble aesthetic, I think is phenomenal. And uh, I'm sure you could maybe speak to the symbolism of that mentally and physically or spiritually. Certainly. Yeah. I, I, again, that's another one that it all starts to line up in hindsight and it paints a really beautiful picture that I won't take entire credit for, but yeah, th there's two quotes I think that are super related. One you touched on, which is the Michelangelo quote. Okay. Um, you know, he was presented originally the piece of marble for the David kind of maybe the most ubiquitous sculpture ever. Um, and it's all over my website and, uh, it's just another one of those very idyllic male physiques. And when he was presented with that piece of marble, it had actually sat uh, dormant for like 30 years or something. And wow. artists had artists had actually passed on it because they said it was unworkable. There were too many cracks. Wow. And so I think it was related to that event where someone was kind of asking him in hindsight. And he said, the masterpiece is always within the marble. It is the job of the artist to pull it out. And the second quote is actually from, I, I don't actually know the specific man, but he's not one of these figures that what you would recognize his name necessarily. I think he's an author, but he was saying that man is both the sculptor and the marble. Mm. And I, and, there, and there's that, that, there is actually a sculpture of kind of a man hammering away. And so like the torso up is him kind of hammering. And then the cool. waist down is an un, unmarked block of marble. And I think that is super representative of our story. Like 
when you are born, you are as close to God as possible, I think. And we come into this world connected to God. There's layers of agreements. Stuff gets poured on us. We get separated from it. We start to forget. And it's about actualizing that potential. You were put here for a reason. You have a highest self to achieve. And it doesn't mean you have to be an athlete or look aesthetically pleasing to be the highest version of yourself. But you will know it when you start operating in it. Uh, for a lot of people, I do believe it. It you should be physically fit, and or for everyone, you should be physically fit. And a lot of times, that does result in external beauty. I think the human form is beautiful, male and female. And when you start to operate and chip away at that, yes, there's the physical. You know, you actually do the physical work. You chip away day at day. You pull the fat away. You build the muscle up. Um, there's the mechanical process, but there is, like you said, the spiritual, like the unlearning. Uh, the Four Agreements is an excellent book. I'm, I'm, I hope you've read it or yeah. certainly heard of it. Yeah, it's just really incredible. Such a small book, but such a really powerful kind of explanation for something that I think everyone kind of kind of resonate and understand with. All of these agreements and layers that get put on us. Uh, people are using the matrix metaphor a lot, the programming metaphor a lot nowadays in the zeitgeist, and it's also a great one to describe kind of. This layer of layers of indoctrination and psychologists call them like either subconscious trauma or PTSD or childhood wounds, parent wounds. And, you know, spiritualism has their terms for it as well. But consistently, there is this kind of unlearning of maybe the wrong or whatever external structure has decided to you or to tell you how to think or what is the ideal it doesn't mean it's not aligned with you, but right. the problem I think is when people live unconsciously, they don't actually think, does this align with myself and what I want for myself? And if I do have these goals and visions, what are they? Can I clearly define them? Can I speak them out to you when I am asked and not just, uh, well, mm, I'd like a better car or a bigger house or whatever, but what do you actually want out of that? Why right. do you want to get rich? Like why? I want to be a multimillionaire, but why, what does it get you? Okay, freedom from fear, freedom from worry, freedom for your time. These are the things that it can actually buy. Time to spend doing what you love. What is it that you love? Well, you don't like people don't understand to become a multimillionaire or a billionaire. You have to do all sorts of things that may be malaligned with yes. the, the life that you want to live. So maybe don't aspire to um, be a multimillionaire. If all you really want to do is stand in the sun and paint all day, you can do that for a grand a month or something depending on where you live, you know, the, the target could be way lower. Your dream could be right behind a, a decision you make. It, it's right. basically right there for the taking stuff is a lot closer than you think. If you can kind of break down these barriers, these like limiting beliefs of, I need to make it to X amount in the savings account to take a trip to right. a tropical location. I need to, uh, you know, I need to work for the first four years out of college. You know, I was surrounded by at the university I went to, and just within my friend group, a lot of really high performers and some guys go into things like consulting or investment banking, super high ceiling for earning. But so many times, you know, they're like, yeah, you know, investment banking's a grind. It's going to be four years of basically in, like indentured servitude and, and like 80 plus, 90 plus hours a week, staying up at nights, working weekends to get to the place where I'm earning. Right. And I'm not, I'm not here to tell you that's the wrong life path, but I am here to say that you should not discount current time for future time because right now is all you have. And I would hate to throw my 23, 24, 25, 26 years away 
to hopefully live the life that I would have wanted at mm. 30 or 35. And yeah, that's kind of like, it's just one of those things, generally speaking, I think a lot of people have the wrong framework for, and it's not to cast blame. It's just everything is structured to make you think that way. I was going to say, I think it's way more natural than what we like to think. I didn't pick up on that myself until maybe a handful of years ago. So I was talking with one of my coworkers in our office, a fellow teacher. He's a, uh, at the time he was a 20 year teacher. Now he's uh, like, you know, a 20, 25 year teacher. One of the smarter guys I know, he asks me some of the hardest questions I've ever been asked. Um, and one day we were talking about life, a lot of this stuff. And he looks at me and he said, Mike, if you could snap your fingers and have the ideal life right now to the T, would you even be able to do it? And I, it just kind of stopped me cold in my tracks. And I realized, no, I, I actually don't know if I needed to write down the exact way my house would look, the exact car, the exact, like, you know, way I would spend 8am to like, you know, 6pm. I actually don't know. So I'm attaching myself to this future outcome that I'm not even that clear on. And that's then determining my day-to-day -day existence. That's pulling me towards the future. It's bringing me into the past and I'm never here in the present moment. And um, it was all rooted in an unclear vision of what I even wanted my future to be. I had actually no idea until he even asked that, but I always thought that I did. It was bizarre. It was a bizarre realization. I'm, I'm, it felt like I was operating at the steering wheel or that no one was at the steering wheel for years until that hit me. And um, that was a humbling moment. And from that point, I started to pull back a little bit with the confidence and the conviction that I used to have with knowing that I know exactly what I want for myself and taking things in a more step-by-step -step, uh, approach day by day. Yeah, I think that's amazing. Uh, and it's so funny how it just takes one book, one quote. Now we have short form content. So one clip, one tweet um, that can really alter the frame in a massive, massive way. I think that's really beautiful. And it, those are the things that I I look at as truth with a capital T, like true yeah. source, true unfiltered signal that gets in. It like breaks into the the layers of calcification that we put just around ourselves. It's hard to today. It, yeah. we're, we're extremely calcified today. Yeah, we're, we're, we're calcified and also the noise. There's a, so much noise. So much. It's not. How, how, I do, think, you, how do you determine, how do you sift between the noise and find the signal? Especially when today, when it's so overwhelming and you yourself, you're a young guy, you're from a generation where you're even more digitally native than me. So you grew up with more noise in a noisier environment than I did. So how do you make sense of that and how do you stay aware? It's a good question. And one thing I am going to go to bat for, for my generation, and it's not out of a egoic self-defense, but it's an observation I've made that I, I haven't really heard a lot of people talk about, but being that we were raised on the internet, there are, I, I'm sure are unbelievable long-term consequences that need to be studied <laughs> uh, that just haven't had the time. But one of the benefits is that because we've seen people present themselves and their ideas in digital format since basically the time we became conscious, um, we are extremely good at even through a digital medium determining authenticity right. and uh, I guess like the bullshit from the knot. Like who's trying to just sell me some cheap piece of shit and who's here to really 
connect on a human level. And I think that speaks to the human spirit. It's like beating technology or elevating above it. It gets through the the chafe and the and the layers and the digitization. We're not so easily scammed as many people might purport. So I love as humans and that's one thing. So trusting your intuition, I think is huge. Like when you hear someone podcast or on a YouTube video, it's really easily, at least for me and a lot of that, maybe it's just me, but I really think it's like a human thing. You can kind of tell, like you can tell who's here right. for what reason. Um, and even now, like that I'm networking with a ton of people online, like yourself, like you get on a zoom call four minutes in, you can tell like, is this guy trying to get something out of me? Or is he trying to hear who I am as a person? Am I seen? Do I feel mm. seen by this person? I mean, I, and, and do I have an opportunity to make them feel seen? So that's one thing. I think just trust your intuition. Um, and the more you trust your intuition and then test, guess and check over time, you start to trust it. And then that's when it becomes really, really powerful. So intuitive feeling, which is kind of a non-answer I will acknowledge, but <laughs> that's one thing. And then uh, as far as logistics um, and like tactics that people can implement, it's one thing we do early in the program. Week two is all about curation and consumption. So going through with a very aggressive toothed comb and looking at the information diet that you consume everyone's willing to go through the pantry and yes. throw out the garbage but filter your consumption because a lot of times it's just like the beliefs they layer on like you just follow everyone in your high school you follow everyone you meet you follow the person at the bar you follow <laughs> blah 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 and like it's gonna sound mean but like trent from the bar reposting <laughs> sports center highlights is not gonna pour value into your life that is not source that's noise <laughs> And the unfortunate truth is, you know, a lot of people are on those lower levels of vibration, lower levels of consciousness, and it's not to cast judgment. We are actually equipped in these apps to have the tools to make sure that they are not seen, but you don't have to burn bridges. So mm. going through on Instagram, there's a feature. If you go to either their account, you can click the following dropdown, or if you go to somebody's story, you can click the three dots at the top right. You have the opportunity to mute just their story or their mm -hmm. story and their posts. And this doesn't unfollow them. So you're not going to like burn any bridges if it's like a weird X situation or whatever you're dealing with. Um, you know, kid of the internet, I guess these are things that we have to deal with, but um, whatever it may be, if you don't want to unfollow a bunch of people, you don't have to. I personally do. I'm like very rigorous with who I unfollow. Cause if I were to ever see them in person, they were to bring it up. I'd say my phone is here to serve me as it's a tool of me. It's not right. my life. Um, it has no reflection on my relationships. It's, here, I'm using it now as a vehicle to build my business and network and stuff. But uh, at, at first, it was just to bring good information to me. So you can know intuitively, uh, should I spend hours scrolling TikTok or should I listen to a podcast? It, a lot of that stuff, you can start chopping out the bad. Apps like Snapchat pretty much have zero utility. You can delete those. TikTok, <laughs> we now know based on the news reports and the data, it is actively programming us to be vegetables. So just delete that one. Um, I think Twitter and YouTube and Instagram have value in and of themselves. YouTube can be a great tool if you can avoid the black holes right. um, for searching, for learning. I've taught myself immense things, whether it's like electrical wiring all the way to like how to build a table, all the way to st how to start a podcast, like what mic to buy, all this stuff. It, it can teach you anything you ask it. So start asking it good questions. And then Instagram, amazing networking tool. I think it's like the equivalent of a modern day business card, but even better. It's the best mm -hmm. dating app you can ask for. Um, express yourself authentically, share your ideas and people will be attracted to it over time and unfollow and or mute the people that you don't want to see their stuff. It's 
okay that you don't want to see every dude you went to high school with repost Steph hit a three. Like <laughs> it, it is just you you if you want to follow sports, that's fine. You can follow Sports Center. They'll let you know that Steph hit the three. You don't have to see it on everybody's story. These are just <laughs> literally minutes of your day being chipped away. You should be aggressive and very tactical with pres- preservation of your time and attention. Um, and then Twitter is awesome because it's only thoughts, more or less. So you can be, I think the app generally has a preference for value of information, right? Like to right. grow big on Twitter, you have to be providing some sort of information and value to people more or less. Like outside of maybe the sports specific world, there's not going to be a lot of like mindless content, or at least I haven't found myself in it. And maybe it's because I joined later and so I was more intentional, but I definitely think Twitter is a great space for finding like minds and you can see what someone's personality is like by just reading the tweets and what they're putting out. Maybe it's brand specific, but oftentimes if they're building more of a quote unquote personal brand, then you'll get to see their thoughts, like right. the inner machinations of their mind in 180 character limit tweets. So Dude, you, you have to experience a lot of friction in your life in the best way possible because you, you're very uh, aligned with your truth and what you know to be truth. And even in my life, I, as I've gotten older, I'll be 33 in May. And I realized that um, as I've gotten closer to truth and as the world has gotten slightly more chaotic, in my opinion, in the short term, I've received more friction or more friction has come my way. Um, I can't imagine myself at 23 uh, <laughs> dealing with that type of friction when I was so sure on what I knew based on my experience and the skin in, in the game that I had, like you're talking about. Um, how do you, how do you manage that? And, and how do you manage not being that lonely trailblazer, but also still assimilating to the world and being in relationship with the world? Because that's what it's all about. Because I'm sure that you must experience that to a certain degree, just even after getting to know you a little bit. A hundred percent. And the latter half of that is what we can classify as a work in progress. <laughs> uh, because I was always, I don't know, the 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 lone wolf, the black sheep, I am comfortable doing it alone for as long as I need to, to bring those people in. I've always been the friend group guy that was quality over quantity. I just, I always struggled to like, one care but to be really fulfilled and f- have my cup filled with having a lot of people have attention towards me or know me mm-hmm. um ironically now i'm i guess i'm developing in the public eye but i think w- within like my close circles and like in person interactions i much more value like really deep meaningful conversations i think it's why podcasting found its way to me and i guess i didn't really even answer that question specifically so <laughs> i apologize but um the podcasting is a great medium cuz it's like you sit down for one to three to five, whatever. You just sit down for a long time and really go at like worldviews, mindsets, and just kind of think. And so I've always really valued those. And I I hate, I hate small talk. It's a pet peeve. Like I hate the transient interactions. It's like, is anyone else here worried about like why we're here? Like, let's talk about life. Um, so it, it makes it hard to meet a lot of those people. And so I have had to kind of come back on myself and understand grace and mm. and and be patience. And not like judging because if that, that judgment is a reflection of myself, if I was like judging somebody else, like, oh, they're not as conscious as I am. They're not as woke. They're, they're not whatever. What like that's an insecurity in me. Uh, I, I'm here to 
now admire and I try to kind of always center myself back at like, what does this person have to teach me? Whether it's about myself or about them or about the world, everybody has something to teach me. Whether it, maybe it is just a lesson in patience. Maybe they're just rambling right. on on some bullshit that is completely inane and has no value to me. Well, I am being tested to be, <laughs> learn how to be patient. Um, so remind me again of the the initial question. Oh, like how do you deal with? Yeah, how do you deal with that friction? Because it's 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 not like you're asking for that friction. You're getting that friction from aligning to truth and we saw it over the last three years with covid we saw it over the last i don't know 10 years with the the banking crisis and or the housing crisis in 08 and now we're going to see it again with the banking crisis going forward so many different things you could see where when you align closer to truth the masses surrounding you will create even greater friction so like yeah how do you stay mindful of how you're navigating that without being reactive and with taking it as an opportunity to exercise patience. Yeah. I think the one of the best um, articulations of this experience that I've read is from Stephen Pressfield. I don't know if you've read The War of Art, but he calls- no, it's one of the ones I want to read though. He describes, and I think it's a must read for anyone in the creative-ish world, putting yourself out there. Um, and it's a pretty quick read. He's, he's a very entertaining writer, but he calls it, resistance like resistance with a capital r um other people like david goggins calls it the inner bitch mm. um aubrey marcus calls it the anti you so it would be the anti mike it would be the anti zach mm. and it's this this inner dialogue that happens ultimately because i believe that the in internal is a reflection of the external as above so below all that stuff so all this chaos and the resistance you feel, this resistance, as, as Stephen Pressfield calls it, the stronger it is, he says, the more aligned you are with truth and the That's more you incredible. need to keep pushing. And he talks about that as an artist. So like if you're a writer and you absolutely are like, I'd rather put a bullet in my head than sit down <laughs> and write today, then he says that's the day where you're going to make a masterpiece. You need to sit down and write. Wow. Um and I think it's so true. Like I think about all the days that I don't want to hop on a, a a sales call because I don't really feel like an authentic self or I don't want to make course content or I don't want to go to the gym today. Everybody knows that those are the days that one, emotionally you feel great because you forced yourself through that period of resistance. But two, really amazing synchronicities happen. Maybe you just get the best pump of your life at the gym or you meet a cute girl at the gym or you sit down to write and you really didn't have any ideas. And then for some reason it's like divine inspiration strikes and you crank out 25 pages of content. Um, you have no idea unless you put yourself in the arena. So I think it's about leaning into resistance and mm -hmm. reframing the resistance in your mind instead of as a red light. That's a green light. I like that. It just hurts a lot. Uh, but lean into it, like walk into the storm, you know, bison, they talk about bison walking into the storm to avoid it. Because you when you walk when you walk towards the storm, it passes through you quicker. And the cows they run from it, but that means they're just staying in the storm. <laughs> uh, and so it's like this like ongoing metaphor. But regardless, I think resistance is your sign to push. You unanimously, resistance is your sign to go towards it. Hard conversations with someone you're in a relationship with. Hard conversations with someone you love. Um, you're afraid to post your first video or tweet or whatever. That's post the exact it. reason to post it. Yeah, exactly. Because you have no idea what's on the other wall of that until you do it. And it and it is really beautiful on the other side of it. Um, so one is just being encouraged by it, kind of a reframing. And then two, 
reacting i i like that you said reacting on non emotionally because i think that's important especially as men you have to kind of be very in control and so stoicism has done a lot for me i think i i read and go back to meditations by marcus aurelius a lot i think a very digestible form of that is the ryan holiday books that he's written yes. he's characterized stoicism in a very digestible and accessible way and he does a great job of sharing stories throughout history not just the um, kind of ancient Roman times, but stories from World War II and stories from Lincoln, but men who exhibited moments of stoicism and its different forms. And so not stoicism in maybe the popular zeitgeist or as many people would might describe it or reduce it to, which is like you shouldn't feel emotions or like re- you should just right. discard emotions. But it very much is that you acknowledge are not, you are not your emotions. Right. Like step, observe them, be the observer. These thoughts come to you, but you are not them. They are the reaction of things around you. Um, and, you know, I'm not a therapist, but in, in, in therapy, they talk about feeling the emotions. It's important to feel them, let them come through. And as men, we've been told kind of the sto- stoicism story, but just packaged poorly, um, especially in my like parents' generation. And it even yes. gets passed down now, but like, you're a man, just deal with it. And I think as a man, you are a man. You should just deal with it. But there is nuance there. Um, you have to acknowledge the emotion. If somebody treats you with disrespect and it brings you rage, it brings you, or if somebody cheats on you and it, and it makes you sad, that is a fair feeling. Feel right. all the way through. But you lose when you become a victim to their actions and the emotions you felt. If you act, react emotionally, you're only going to damage yourself or them and you can't uh, defeat evil with evil. You can't end hate with hate. Right. And if somebody does something super hateful to you, cheats on you, leaves, whatever, um, fires you, reams you out at work. If you react in, with an incendiary manner and you're just blow up and you're like tee off on somebody, it might feel good. Like you're upset. It might feel good. And the only reason it's feeling good is because you're accessing and allowing yourself to feel the emotion. Right. But the action, the action yeah. you're taking is the mistake. Good so so feel, feel the emotion like as long as it needs. I think a good thing from sports I picked up is the 24 hour rule. You know, you take a loss, be pissed off for 24 hours, like really just be like, God damn it, we lost. <laughs> but after that, it's like next practice, next game, move on. And so emotions can be a same, a, a similar thing. I think it's a good way to frame for men. Um, it's it's a good way to you, put it. Yeah, That's way to put it, and I think men, uh, because we're typically more, uh, we're we're less inclined to be aware of those emotions and and to talk about them and to accept that we might be feeling them in that moment. We often don't get to do that unless it's through a physical vehicle, like you said, with sports, or even me now with jujitsu. Um, I I feel shitty about myself all the time if I don't do something that I think I should or could or expected to, but it's happening so quickly that I have to forget about what just happened because if I don't, I'm going to be choked out again within two seconds of me sitting in my head about it. So jujitsu as a physical vehicle helps me confront a lot of those things that I think I normally wouldn't be able to if I didn't have that vehicle. But you're right. I think being able to sit in it in that moment, accept that you are feeling that without attaching to it and simply realizing that you are the observer 
of those feelings is more empowering than almost anything that we could do. Yeah. And I think it empowering is a good word for it. It puts you truly in the driver's seat and in moments like a cheating scenario, like getting fired, like losing a loved one, it is very easy to feel like like a victim. These things that have happened to me and I had no control. And that's why it feels scary, especially as a man, because being in control is something that the masculine craves, like order, structure, penetrating, going forward, overcoming. So when we don't have that, when the masculine is not satisfied with the order, the structure, the control, it feels very tumultuous. It can feel scary. It can feel sad. Um, it can lead to depression. It can, and it can also lead us to make dangerous decisions because we are so powerful mm-hmm. physically. So taking that time to step back and say, like, ask yourself, how is this happening for me? The inner purpose. Go back to your inner purpose. Where is this redirecting me towards? What is this saving me from? Right. Uh, you know, like I, 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 when I started out doing outreach for my program, getting so many rejections, anyone in sales can <laughs> test. It's hard. It's a huge hit to the ego to get so many no's. Fuck off. I don't want to buy this product. <laughs> like move on. Um, but at some point I was like, now when guys, if they no show a sales call or don't respond to a DM or whatever it is, and this can extend to networking, it can extend to whatever. I sit there and I'm like, thank you. Thank you for saving me from whatever hurt that person would have brought into my world. Or uh, maybe they would have been a bad client and charged back. Or maybe who knows? It's it, like in a wow. relationship. Thank God. Thank God they didn't reach back out. Thank God they left. Thank God, whatever, because who knows what kind of hurt or danger it would have brought into my world or malaligned. I'm being protected from it. This is redirecting me towards the next amazing thing. Mm. Um, And I think to any of the younger guys, um, I keep going back to the relationship thing because I think it's very ubiquitous. Everyone's experienced heartbreak or, you know, is in the pursuit of a long-term partner. Um, And a one word of encouragement. And I, I think that one that I always kind of narrate back to myself is that you fall in love with somebody and then it doesn't work out. If they weren't the one, if they if they weren't going to be the one that's going to really go the distance, if they, if they weren't ultimately aligned with whatever your end person is going to be, think about how much even better the next one is. <laughs> and it always seems to get topped. Um, everybody, like the bar continues to rise and you continue to add uh, skills and levels to yourself that you can improve upon, but also you can increase your standards. You can learn like, oh, yes. wow, the way she spoke to me, I really want somebody to speak to me like that. The way that she showed um love through physical affection i really like that the way that she showed up for me when i i was emotionally weak i like that and you kind of like add these things to the bag and and they become the expectation and, and i guess it goes it goes it certainly goes both ways men and, and women alike and, and it's kind of like what we were talking about where um you have to know what you want in order to or you have to know where you're going or where you are in order to know where you're going. So if you don't know what you like in a relationship, then you won't know what you're in search for as you're dating around or as you're getting to know people. So you have to have some skin in the game and experience in order to even know what you're in search for so that you could be aware of as you're executing daily. Definitely. And it's another exercise in uh, week seven of the program. It's Judas. So it's the stuff people don't want to talk about. Masculine sexuality, nice. pornography, masturbation, um, kind of the dark side, I guess. But it also talks about, we also talk about relationships. And um, 
it's so important to know. And that's another one. People think they know what they want. I like blondes. I like brunettes. Well, that's not good enough, dude. Like you need to be able to meet somebody and assess whether or not they're good enough for you and not just end up dating and marrying the first girl that shows you physical affection and pays attention to you. Cause that's how you bring kids into a, a shitty marriage. Um, or you get your heartbroken by somebody who, you know, you ignore red flags for years just because they were the first one to pay attention to you or whatever it may yes. be. But so that's an exercise we also go through, which is uh, writing out like a note and def clearly defining your, your perfect person. And it doesn't, you may not be in the place where you're looking for that. Like you may not ever want to have a long-term partner again, the decision is up to you, but you better know what you want and clearly define it. Like, all right, right now I'm looking for experience. So I want to experience multiple partners, um, open to dating. I'm not looking for anything particularly serious. That's fine. Write it down. Be explicit. What does that look like for you? How many partners per week? Right. Uh, how many partners per month? Do you want to date them for periods of time? Uh, what do they look like? What are their interests? What is their relationship with their father like? What is the uh what do they do in their free time? How do they speak to you? Mm. Uh what is their ethnic background? Like literally get as granular as granular granular as you can. Uh because what's really incredible is when you write that down and then you meet her. Like mm -hmm. you you are literally manifesting and creating and I think everything is a projection of, of our mind. So until you can actually like visualize the dream Dream girl amalgamation of the pretty women you've seen on covers of magazines, but like the dream woman that will completely complete your life. And then you walk up and meet her and you hear her voice and you're like, oh my God, that's her. And you're like telling your friends like, dude, look at the note. I wrote this in 20, like 2016, like, or whatever, <laughs> like, uh, this is her. And, uh, not everyone's going to be exactly one-to-one. -one. There's going to be things that you're going to have to acquiesce, but it's important to know also on that list, what are the non-negotiables? Like if she shows up and has it all and is blonde, can you make peace with that? <laughs> Probably. But if she shows up and she is a brunette, but instead has a horrible relationship with her father, maybe that's a non-negotiable for you. So there's definitely tier lists and uh, things of I, different I, I, value. I read, I read something recently that this is bringing to mind. It's um, I forget where I read it, but the quote was something like everything is made twice or everything is built twice and kind of like what you're talking about is you're building that image in your mind and the person in reality might not fit it 100 percent, but you'll be more aware of that person when they do show up in your life and then from there you can get to know them uh more accurately and then figure out what you like and what you don't like but at least you'll have that image in your head of who aligns with you and who doesn't in order just to know if you should spend the time in getting to know them because it takes years to get to know someone. I've been with my wife. We celebrated. We've been married for a year and a half, but we've been together for 10 years. And I, I swear to God, I learned something new about her weekly, like literally weekly, like as we've aged and just, you know, turned into different individuals over time and then changed our relationship over time. Um, yeah, it's it's endless. So uh, I think the idea of creating that image in your mind to be more aware of what to look for is super important. Yeah, definitely. And relationships are a very unique and complicated alchemy because as we've talked about kind of broadly self-mastery, there's so many layers to getting to know yourself. Now, to exit, 
and make those people compatible. Like talk about making a problem harder, right? Like this is when math goes from numbers to numbers and letters. Like it's the <laughs> massive jump and things get really, really complicated. So nobody should walk into the dating scene or any relationship and be like, well, you know, I have a notes up in my phone and she looks a lot like it. So I guess we're going to get married, like, and not have issues and never fight and right. never uh, be malaligned with visions we have for our future or what we want to tell our kids about God or whatever. Like it's a lot. And then it's something great you touched on. And I think is beautiful about relationships is that you are still actualizing yourself. You're growing as an individual. They are also growing as an individual and as long as you both are healthily attached to one another and it's you you can exhibit true self love and continue to develop yourself and that then god willing you're growing in a similar path so you can like move in the same direction and be right next to each other hand in hand and say like this is awesome i love the person that you're becoming i'm yes. here in full support i also love who i'm becoming i'm like on my shit right now i'm pretty proud of myself <laughs> and they're like hell yeah like i i'm here for that too and it's hard like it is so hard and it's so, so many hard. times it's really interesting. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. I think relationships, there's a lot of schools of stuff. I think many things are interesting, but relationships are one I love to like learn about, read about um, whether it's the evolutionary psychology side of like the Uga Booga animal brain, like what does man woman like, but then the <laughs> spiritual side of like what serves the masculine and feminine. Uh, how does it show up in me? How does it show up in her? Um, is that, is and then that, what does it, that attract? Is this one of the bigger challenges that you see men face that you're working with or that you have worked with in the past relationships in general? Um, I mean, I don't want to establish paint with a broad. I don't want to paint with a broad brush, but I do. Like I said, I think relationships are probably the hardest thing we do in life, like connecting with another fully actualized human being. I mean, that's an insane. It's insane. Like it's it so many layers. So I think everyone. And like I said, with the example of relationships in general, it's a ubiquitous experience. Everyone seeks it out, whether it's same-sex couples or hetero couples. People are looking for companionship and the human spirit. I This is so beautiful. I heard it from Rod, Robert Edward Grant. Uh, it taught He was talking about how we kind of live in a world of duality, um, you know, black, white, uh, masculine, feminine, light, dark, good, evil, all these things that are separate. And he was talking about how the all or the one or source why why would it ever separate if it if it's all knowing all seeing whatever why is there a divorce even why would why do we come back why do we choose to come back and experience life again when we could return and just be source but he said something so beautiful that kind of characterizes it all which he said um the two became or the one became two for the joy of becoming one again mm. And that is like the most beautiful way I think you could characterize relationships and love and marriage ever. That's it's awesome. why I think marriage is like God ordained and is a sacred bond because it is truly the reconnection of the two into one in a very real way. So to get back to the question, I think every man definitely has their stories and I'm learning too, right? Like that's the one thing I will never report. Like I'm a 23 year old guy. I know that life experience is not on my side. I may use big, big boy words and read a lot of books, but like, it doesn't make me a learned man. It doesn't make me wise like Solomon, but I'm chasing that path now. And I love to learn. I learn as much from the guys I work with as they do for me. Right. So I love to hear their relationship stories. There's always layers and little things you can pick up on. So definitely everyone experiences it. Everyone has their own unique stories to share. Um, and so certainly they, they've all had challenges like that, but 
I, I always return to the world of self-mastery because, like I said, the internal reflects the external and you cannot expect to have a fully loving relationship until you fully love yourself. And yes. you got to really do it. You can't just look in the mirror and be like, yes, queen, I gave myself a bubble <laughs> bath. Like, I, I, I'm like doing self-love. I'm doing self-healing. I'm doing affirmation statements. It's not enough. You have to believe it. You have to, in your heart, love yourself. And I am still working on a lot of that stuff, like going back and healing like the child wounds, showing up and doing the, the inner child work and showing up for the kid that didn't feel seen and heard when he was little and saying, it's okay. Like, you don't have to be something to be loved. That's one thing right. uh, as I'm learning more and more about like attachment styles and like always being reflective on my relationships, trying to learn as much as I can. I definitely ha land more in the kind of anxious attachment style Yes, where every one of my relationships, it ends and, or most of them that were like kind of more meaningful and long-term I, on paper, I'm always the perfect boyfriend, like perfect gifts, always showing up, always available, always saying the right thing never cheated, never would, never say, like all, like I said, like always showing up perfect on paper. But the problem is like, it, where is that coming from? It's coming from a sense that I need to do X, Y, Z. To be. To be. To be loved. To be worthy of someone else's love. And that is energetically sensed by women. Like they are naturally more intuitive. And so of course they lose attraction. Of course things move on. And again, like best fit. I'm so glad that I am in where I am and those relationships have come and gone. I've, I've learned my lessons, all amazing women. I would never say anything bad about them. I've been very fortunate, but yeah, like learning about yourself is the only way to ever get to the relationship stage. So I think it's wrong to kind of, you know, put yourself out in the dating pool without really knowing who you are. And it's not to say that you can't do both in parallel and kind of live life and have fun, but it need, you need to be the priority because if you can't show up for yourself, you'll never show up for somebody else and they'll sense and know that. And it, it, it leads to all sorts of messes. I, I always tell people anytime they've asked me advice or just pick my brain about something. Um, if you need, if you feel like you need to be in a relationship, you should not be in a relationship uh, because you have to probably fix or better your relationship with yourself first. If you think you need to be in a relationship with anyone else in order to feel seen, in order to feel whole. Of course, we all want to be seen and heard by everyone else around us and that we're in relationship with, but ultimately we have to be okay with just being seen and heard by ourselves too first at least and um that's something that i've experienced in my relationship a lot and i think everyone does and sometimes people lose track of themselves and lose sense of themselves in a relationship because they're just trying to be seen by the other person so desperately but you don't realize that they're they're like really just projecting that out in in order just to see themselves um, it's, it's a really interesting factor in a lot of relationships that I'll see where if both people are unaware of it, then they'll be codependent together in that way. And, um, it'll be more contentious. They'll, there, there will be a lot of stress back and forth, but if one person is aware of what's happening, it, it can cause a big riff. Um, it's, uh, th that's why I think relationships are one of the more important things for guys to pay attention to. And specifically with relationship to self, even now me, I'm, I'm in my third day of this multi-day fast going another like day and a half or, or so, um, I'm realizing my attachment to food and my attachment to the mouth pleasure and enjoyment of that all. 
Um, that's making me realize more about my relationship with myself through my relationship with food. Um, everything is, is interconnected. Everything is relationship with self and making sense of self. So even as you are on your self mastery journey, um, how do you, how do you make sense of, you know, realizing that you are enough as is and realizing that you do deserve to be loved as who you are without being anything extra but also you're pushing the boundaries of who you are right like you're you're meeting your potential you're doing things that you didn't in the past how do you balance that in your mind how do you make sense of that duality because that's something i i think about often too it's a great question and as people and men who aspire to a lot it is probably one of the hardest battles we have to reconcile is that present state um, peace as well as future focused desire like always aspiring to more intrinsically is the acknowledgement of lack yes. and so ab abundance can only be found when you live entirely in the space of gratitude and like presence and knowing that right now and exactly as is, is enough. And so it's really hard. And that's been one, especially with now that I'm in, in the space of entrepreneurship, you know, you have like these targets you're hit, trying to hit um, and it gets very kind of granular. And I love kind of the game of entrepreneurship. I love the achievement aspect. It's very aligned with what I've been doing in sports my entire life. And so it, it fits in and like serves the masculine well. It serves the ego well. And it's very aligned with who I am. But I do think that at some point you're creating a prison of your own creation by always wanting something else and always striving, always pushing. So it's been one that's hard. And I don't know that I have a perfect answer, but a quote that I like in this process is, impatient with action patient with results mm. so so like take all that i guess anxious energy that drive that focus for what the future could look like or what you want it to look like and put it all into the action you can take right now and it and it goes back to memento mori and it goes back to life being lived kind of one day at a time i wrote like on my whiteboard i have you know, the scrawlings of a madman, but amongst the text, I have this one thing that says, do your best today. And it just underlined today. And that's where my task list for each day is. And uh, it's so critical because especially with long-term goals, whether it's building a family or building a business to X amount of revenue or achieving X amount in the bank account or building your dream house or finding your dream girl, whatever it is, like any goal, dream body weight, dream body fat percentage. Right. Um, they could be really long, far away, especially with business, especially with family. Those could be decade long, decades long goals. And it's and if we kind of just sift into the future and reach out, it's a very anxious state. It's it's away from us. We'll never have it, and we'll lose the now. So I try now to make sure that my actions today are aligned with the results I want later, and being okay with however long it takes, as long as. Today, I, one, took those actions, and two, really loved the process. Yeah. Uh, I've been, I, in the past, there were some dark weeks over the past few months, but I'm really, I really like this idea I've been playing with, which is like, give yourself permission to live the dream today. 
So don't wait for X amount of money per month. Don't wait for living in a specific house. Don't wait for you're dating a dream girl. Don't wait for you look a little bit better. You have this clothes, you have this watch, you have this car, you have like whatever your goals are. Luckily, I'm not like hyper materialistic. So I don't have like the cars and the watch goals, but I do have like the dream body, the dream kind of lifestyle goals. And I'd love to be sitting beachside in the Maldives or something, right? Like it, it would be amazing. But who says I can't take a two week trip to where I am now in Florida and pay the same I would for rent, but at an Airbnb. And now I'm at the beach. I'm living the dream. I'm currently right. an entrepreneur making money online, living the dream. I, I've <laughs> not hit my revenue goals for the future. I'm not a multimillionaire on paper, but I just haven't been paid yet. So I, I like playing with that idea of like, how can you align your current day as much as you can to the dream? And it goes back to earlier. You talked about that question. He said like, could you live your perfect life today? One of the exercises we go through is the perfect day exercise. Actually write down on a calendar, on a, on a schedule, 8 a.m. or whatever your wake up time is, whatever your bedtime is, fill those time slots in with literally the perfect day ever. If I gave you the Powerball winnings tomorrow and said like, live the dream, what does that day look like? What is like, and, and repeat that day over and over, not just like the super hedonistic, like, we're going to Vegas. Like that can only be a couple <laughs> days before you, you you run out of steam. What does it look like when you return to earth and you kind of live a meaningful life? All right. Well, for me, it's like, wake up, see the sun, touch grass, breathe fresh air, um, do something creative with all that energy and, and kind of like free mind space I have in the morning, eat really enriching full food, train hard, be in the sun a lot of the day, spend time with friends, be with a beautiful girl, like laugh, listen to music and and be have that sense of freedom to do whatever else life throws at you and other people suggest. So it's not super concrete. Um, a lot of people have other things like maybe they want to drive a very specific car every single day. That's awesome. Like put that on there. Give yourself an hour driving block at the racetrack. Maybe you, maybe you really like marksmanship. You want to go shoot at the range. Maybe you like basketball. You want to go uh, hit a bunch of threes, a younger version of me, right. <laughs> go out to the field, shoot a bunch of lacrosse balls. Um, Even but the, the, the stuff that you're good, continue. continue. All, all that to say to like close up is that when you write that out, you'll be surprised at how accessible it is. The dream yes. is right there. It's right there for the taking. You just have to slightly orient your day just ever so slightly. Give yourself permission to quit the job and get a slightly more flexible one. Give yourself permission to leave work a little bit earlier. They don't care about you. As long as they're not going to fire you, like it's your life to live. Seize it right now. Start reading. Start putting yourself out there. Walk up to the pretty girl. If she says no, it's the same place. Like you are both <laughs> strangers right now. Uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of this idea of romanticizing, and you have one life. Make it beautiful. It's it's much more accessible than what we think. Like you're saying, and um, even the way that you described your ideal day. As you're describing it in my head, I'm seeing you play out that day in 10 different contexts too, in 10 different places, looking at the sun in 10 different settings, right? Like you, like that's, it's so applicable to so many different styles of life, even though it seems like a very detailed and specific thing, it's much more accessible, or at least versions of our ideal day are much more accessible than what we think. Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, I'll give like a very concrete example of myself. So like currently my full-time living apartment is in Atlanta. So there's no beach, but 
the sun still shines. And so I, and I also live in an apartment complex with a, an outdoor pool. So all I've decided that, you know, instead and we put ourselves in these kind of mental prisons and blocks, like you need to work inside and then outside is for relaxation, but <laughs> why not take your laptop to the top of the parking deck and get some sun or take it down to the pool side and do work down there. Um, and, and I know that people might be listening and be like, must be nice for you, Mr. Entrepreneur. It's like, <laughs> I, I do get it, but a lot of you motherfuckers are working remote and can really be a little more flexible than you think. And two, no one's forcing you to continue to work there. Um, we put ourselves in these boxes and if you hate your job, I don't know how else to say it, but like, I can't be the one to value your life for you, but you gotta love it. You gotta like desperately want to make your life as special as you can. And if memento mori means anything to you, because it means a lot to me, which is remember death. If you went to bed tonight, are you happy with how it went? I know we have to make money. I know I'm a starry-eyed, naive 23-year-old. <laughs> it's hard to take this, maybe this lesson from me, but take it from these other guys that have done it and are parroting it back 50 years down the line, or even my same age, but at vast more levels of wealth. I, I, I believe I can any, anyone can be a vehicle for truth. Um, and so just because like my external world may not be the reflection of exactly what somebody's picture of, of a perfect life or success, quote unquote, right. uh, maybe I think just always listen with an open mind, try to detach yourself and listen for the truth. I think that's another thing with my program. I've had people ask like, it's a very cynical question I'll get sometimes where they're like, okay, what's stopping me from you know, going to the gym and watching videos on YouTube and reading the books. I'm like, actually nothing. Like we should hop <laughs> off here and you should go change your life. Um, but the truth, the truth is like nothing was stopping them before. And it's okay to accept help when it is presented to you. You know, I've learned so much by putting myself through paid environments and masterminds and courses, even formal education. I've elevated myself by paying for access to people, their time. And yeah, like if it means buying an ebook or scraping a free yeah. PDF online or doing calisthenic workouts in your backyard, like all I'm here to do is help people realize their their potential. It brings me so much joy to see somebody come back and say like, I struggled to gain weight for my entire life and I've put on eight or 10 pounds of muscle over the last 12 weeks. Like I'm finally filling shirts out. I feel confident or I never thought I'd be the guy who likes going to the gym, but like when I miss it or when I don't go to the gym, I feel like I miss it. You know, like it's awesome. like those those frame shifts that people start to see their own potential. And then what's really special, like that's the very physical world and it is meaningful in and of itself. But when you start to dive into like the I, the me, the mental work and like help people kind of realize what they're capable of, it's amazing because I do think everyone has something amazing to share and like amazingly high ceiling the people that are special that we all look up to they just made slightly different decisions they were given a lot of the same ingredients we all have access to god you just got to make the leap i think they just leaned into that uncomfortability a little bit more like you were saying before they were more comfortable just leaning in or maybe they might have been naive and still leaned into that um that that's also a factor too uh, being naive or ignorant to the potential cost of real failure uh, or or real danger, um, which which I think is uh, something that's not given it as much credit as it could. But um, yeah, yeah, no, I I do I like that, and 
I do, I do think that the it's really powerful the the power of maybe blissful ignorance because it is the more you start to like play with what even is reality it does I mean I'm landing in a place where like a lot of it is um projections of your mind and a, a, a very concrete example that I will give is I used to I grew up as an athlete played sports my whole life played all the way through college so I followed sports loosely, um, never like a crazy hardcore fanatic, but I followed all the accounts online. But when I was building my business while working a full-time job, while training myself, um, there was very limited time of the day. You know, I was like, yeah. wake up, work on my business, then go to work at a startup, get out of work, train, get, do business, uh, do whatever I can before I go to bed and then go to bed and then rinse repeat for like 10 months. So the bandwidth was limited. So I was like looking for little windows where I could pinch back my time. So for me, I unfollowed all sports, even the sports that I love, like the cross that I played um, and whatever. And once you fully detach from that world or when I did, it is almost as if the sports are not going on. And I know that right. sounds crazy, right? Like they're being played out there. People are living their lives or so I'm told, but <laughs> though like in my reality, it didn't exist. And I had watched say NFL football my entire life. But then I get a text from in the in the middle of the winter from my brother, like, hey, are you watching the Super Bowl this weekend? And I'm like, the Super Bowl's on? <laughs> it's the NFL season? What do you mean? So in that way, I think a lot of things like fear, like danger, like consequences of whatever actions people are thinking about taking. And often, uh, maybe in this conversation, we could be talking about making the leap of putting yourself out there for business or maybe asking a girl out or yeah, whatever. Any of those... Uh, perceived dangers short of physical harm like walking down you know home park atlanta in the middle of the night or like south side chicago like that has real danger potential but in this world that is the projection of the mind if you don't believe it can happen or hurt you it actually can't like for right. myself if i don't believe i can fail with whatever this business venture is and quitting my job and chasing the dream full time then i i simply cannot fail because even if what other people might say is failure. Maybe this vehicle doesn't work out and I have to pick up another part-time job or whatever. Those are just redirections, new lessons to learn, um, parts of the story that I can tell later. And I don't think that that is actually going to materialize at all. It's working well and all, all of these things that I'm extremely grateful for. And I'm very passionate about what I'm doing. And it's, and it's, and it's seeming to, you know, all signs are coming up green, but say they come up red, maybe the right. path changes, something comes up in home and I need to be present there, whatever life is going to throw stuff at you. And you can either see it as happening to you or for you. Yes. Yeah. I was, uh, that, that, that's one of the more powerful ways to perceive it too. Um, and, and even from what you're saying, I feel like you're, you're at that point where you're realizing that you're becoming undeniable. And I think everyone that's on the path starts to realize at that point when you are becoming undeniable, because then the faith in yourself becomes that much stronger and it becomes that much easier to put in the work and the time and the effort. Yeah, I love that. And uh, it goes back to a quote. I did a podcast on mental reframing and how I think shaping our perspective is potentially our most powerful weapon as people. And one of the quotes I referenced in there is it's actually from Conor McGregor. He says like, you have to feel some type of way. Why not feel unbeatable? It's just a terrible Irish accent. But you have to feel some type of way. So why not feel unbeatable? I love that. And, and what you were saying about like starting to feel undeniable, it's a really interesting dichotomy of belief and then 
uh, belief affirmed by the action. Yes. Because I think personally, belief always has to come before action. A lot of like the hustle grind culture is like, go do the work and then give your, like Alex Ramosi has a quote, uh, you don't build confidence by shouting affirmations in the mirror. You build confidence by creating a stack of undeniable evidence that you are who you say you are. And it's a great quote. Like it's awesome. Right. It's real motivational. It. Yeah. Um, but I do think that even the work itself can only be done from a place where some part of you deep inside is like, maybe I can have it. Maybe yes. I deserve it. Maybe yes. it can happen. And so, yeah, it's like, I think you need the spark, the spark of the maybe. There can be a lot of doubt. There can be a loud inner bitch. The anti-you can be screaming. But if you just hear that spark, think that you maybe you're worth more. Maybe you can do something else. Maybe you can look different. You trust it. And then you take those little tiny actions. You start building that stack of evidence. And then, yeah, the world starts to affirm to yourself, you are undeniable. You get on endless podcasts, endless calls, and people are like, hey, man, like, I like what you're doing. You know, it's no longer you telling yourself, hey, you might have something. The world right. is now shouting back at you a reflection of your work. They're saying, keep going. And it might not manifest like a million followers overnight. It might not be 10K a month in your bank account overnight. But if you don't stop, there's no way that it doesn't align that way. Right. Because look around at the people who never quit. They're getting paid a lot of goddamn money. And they're also right. have a ton of followers because they never quit. They just did the same thing for so long. Joe Rogan, I think it was 13 years before his podcast had any meaningful traction that the world acknowledged. Yeah. And now he's like the most ubiquitous podcaster ever redefined the genre. He's paid $600 million a year from Spotify, $600 million. And that's not counting branded. He's making North Stupid. of a, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like basically a billion dollar business because he did something for so long that, the world could not help but warp to his reality. And, and so, and, you know, and, and what we're talking about, I, I talked about with a bunch of people so far in my podcast, and it's funny that it comes up organically in our conversation, which is which comes first? Is it the action or the belief? And I'm at the point in my life where I, I honestly don't know because I've thought about it so much and I've even reflected on my own journey asking people themselves how they've made sense of it and i'm at the point where i think maybe i had to have enough faith in myself that i could execute successfully in order to then even wake up the next morning to do the mundane and boring things that i normally wouldn't have believed that i could do or wanted to do so that's why i'm erroring on the side of if i had to choose one and a gun was put to my head i would say i think that the belief or faith has to come first and then you'll be able to take action more consistently. Yes. And I completely agree. And I think you're totally right because again, with this kind of external world becoming a reflection of your internal, like fitness is a great example. The people that are very, very physically out of shape and you've talked about, it. I've seen your tweets and your threads. You've talked about your journey. Like when you were at the lowest of low physically, it is because your relationship with yourself and the belief in self, the identity, the story you told yourself about Mike was not aligned with your highest self. And so I 100% has to be like if somebody is like in the pits of true depression until they see the light and hope and belief and start talking about themselves aspirationally and say, maybe I'm meant for more. Maybe I can be. You don't have to be certain, but the tiny little bit of belief, that spark, that ember, you can foster that with the action. 
but I think it always has to has to be precipitated by some self sense of belief. A lot of times that can come from external motivators like yeah. uh Rich Rich Roll, pretty incredible dude, amazing podcaster. Um he became in like an ultra athlete at like 38 and like kind of turned his life totally around really relatively late in life. Um and so he has had this kind of like massive career and like renaissance of self very late in life compared to I guess traditional paths and so he talks about that. And one of the things he says is mood follows action. Mm. And so that would be kind of maybe opposite. But I do think that for you to even act in the first place, there yes. has to be a baseline understanding or agreement that, okay, I do trust and believe that if that action happens, something changes for me and I deserve that change. Yes. And I think with, with fitness, it's concrete. Everyone knows that if I eat better and start exercising, my body will change. And it's why... They get to that low point, whatever rock bottom is, and then starts with a walk. It starts with maybe eating one less, you know, candy bar per day, like cut out the soda, whatever it may be, because they know that the path will take them to the result, but they have to believe that they deserve the result. The story they tell themselves is like, this isn't for me. This isn't me. This isn't who I am. Um, and then at, with larger things, the non-physical, I think it all eventually gets back to who am I and what do I deserve? And what is the story I tell myself? It's like, all related. Yeah. It's always related. And the people that are afraid to leap out of like a nine to five, but have always wanted to, the reason they haven't taken the action is not lack of skills, lack of knowledge, lack of resources. It's self-belief. They're afraid or maybe don't have the trust in themselves that it'll happen. And then when they make that leap, it's because that trust trust changed. And sometimes maybe it was somebody coming up to them and saying, you got it. I know you got it. I'm here for you. Um, or maybe it's an investor saying, that's a great business idea. Here's the capital to do it. It's not about the money. It's never about the money. You can get a loan from a bank. Money's not even real. It's just numbers on a screen. It's always about, do I believe I can do it? Do I believe I can have it? Do I believe I deserve it in the first place? When you're, you're when you're yourself. doing something, I, I realize this myself too. When you're doing something and you believe in it and people start to call you crazy, it's only because they don't believe that they could do it themselves. And yeah, that's it, and usually when you're usually when you're pushing yourself, you're pushing your edge and you're doing some quote unquote crazy stuff to the to the average person. Real people and people doing real shit will look at you and not think that you're crazy. And if anything, get curious about what you're doing, how, why, why'd you start? Like, you know, what's your goal with this? And they're going to be the last person to call you crazy. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm starting, I'm still making sense of that myself too. Yeah. It's interesting. And it goes back to the, the projection of self thing. Uh, I talk about it, you know, in act three, as I deem it, um, the last four weeks of the program, you start to look outwards um, and talk about building your wolf pack. But before that, you have to, what I deem, garden the snakes, cut out the toxic people from your life. And, you know, eight weeks into the self-development journey, the program, it is far enough in that you for sure have already experienced some of that external resistance and for definitely characterized when I was getting really serious especially throughout college you know i was in a fraternity environment um and i will caveat saying like fraternity life at georgia tech is very different than many colleges you know 
while people are still acting like a degenerate, they're still getting jobs at, <laughs> you know, Tesla, SpaceX, like they're creating the next. So really high caliber people, but also still just college kids. So regardless, I was making decisions that are different. You know, I was writing affirmation statements, reading all the time, stretching before bed. I was not eating the meal plan. And it's like, what do you, or you don't want to come out with us, bro. You think you're better than us? Like it's all those external, but no, they don't care. It's not about what I'm doing. It's right. because when you start to act differently and make things, make steps to improve yourself, a lot of people will project the insecurity of self onto you. They, were they know they should themselves. be doing when yes. they When they were seeing you not go out, they're like, should I not go out? Or like, is he doing something that I should be doing? Or, you know, why is he dif like differentiating from the group? Yeah. And when it's, when it's healthy decisions and becoming aligned with self and source, something deep inside them knows what's right. Like everyone knows what is healthy to eat. It is so fucking obvious, you know, like health is a very religious and dogmatic space, especially nutrition. Everybody's got like keto, this animal, that, uh, paleo, this vegetarian, that vegan, that like religious schools, but we can all say the food that nurtures us broadly and the things that don't like, if it comes in a package and is bright blue and is <laughs> like flavored something like it just nature didn't make it. It isn't good for you. Like people know that and yet they still choose to act differently. So when they see somebody eating that way, perfect example, we, uh, we, we touched on here in Florida, we're doing a grocery trip and I fill up the cart with an unreasonable amount of eggs and ground beef and fruit and honey and all this stuff. And so I'm checking out and, uh, and it was just my food. My friend had actually brought some meal prep stuff and we're checking out and the guy's kind of ringing us up. He's like, wow, y'all eat pretty healthy. And they're like, yeah, like, you know, we, we, we try to be healthy. We're young, whatever. He's like, you gotta, I got, you guys got a special event for preparing for we're like, no, it's just life. You know, <laughs> like he's like, you having a bunch of people come over. I'm like, no, nope. like, this is literally just all my eggs and beef. And, and the point was like, he kept, he kept prompting these questions as if it was like shattering. His he, it was shattering his idea. Yeah. Of, but had I, had right. I rolled up to the cart with like cases of Oreos, milk, ice cream, he would have been like, man, this stuff looks delicious. Like have a good weekend. <laughs> like it no questions asked. And so it's so funny that we live in this like upside down world where you start to act healthily aligned with self, read books, meditate. You're the weird one. You're the woo woo. <laughs> you're the, the, you're the strange outcast. It's, uh, I guess somewhat tragic, but it is the, like you said, it, you start to, people make sense of themselves and project those insecurities. And it's probably that's one of the hardest friction. parts of self-development. Yeah. That's that friction yes. I was talking about. That's that friction that I, at 23, I had uh, one of the most impactful conversations that I've ever had with someone. And the guy just simply told me, Mike, you are not your thoughts. And that's, and that's all he had to tell me in that moment. Um, but from that moment on, I received more friction than I ever have in my life as I'm getting closer to that truth. So what we're talking about it, like even that incident at the grocery store, that is friction. But because you're far enough along in the path to see it as an opportunity, you're now greasing through that friction with ease, right? Like it's almost barely even touching you. You're just slipping right by uh, gracefully um, until the day when you're met with that even more difficult friction that you've yet to like, you know, try to get around. Um, I guess that, yeah, you're right. That, that quote, that you said before about it was was perfect the friction is necessary and it's a signal and it's something to be leaned into so you getting that friction from the guy at the grocery store 
was actually one of the best things that could have happened. Cause if anything, that guy's now thinking to himself, shit, that guy looked pretty healthy. He was in a good mood. Like he was polite, respectful. Maybe I should have more fucking ground beef or maybe I should have more eggs. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's awesome. And exactly when you start to detach from, and, and this was probably the hardest part for me and very more, more recent on my journey is getting away from the judgment and like wanting to kind of, I guess, convert everyone and like yes. want them to live a certain way, especially for me with family. Like you want desperately your family to get healthy. You want your parents to make changes. Um, but realizing that like they're only going to, they can only show up for themselves as much as they do internally one and two, the best thing that you can do and your only call and responsibility I think in life is to show, bring the horse to water and continue to present it the water, but you cannot force it to drink. <laughs> like it's the old metaphor, but you're you're called to present the water over and over and over. And if it matters to you, and it's like if it's a friend, you can walk away. It's okay. You'll unconditionally, find later. unconditionally presenting. Yes, unconditionally yeah. with no expectation. Uh, that's the hardest part for sure. Is like you know that the water is so clean and good and and nourishing and will save them. But if they're if they want to sit there and die of lack of water you have to let them you like, have to it's hard not to say Dude, just drink the fucking water man it's hard it's hard not yeah. to do that. and it's hard when you get on this side of i don't know health and wellness and mindfulness because it it really does feel like the promised land kind of like eating on earth and and life does become so much more technicolor and beautiful and you see people differently you see yourself differently and so you know how amazing it is and so when it is somebody that you love like a family member it's really hard like you want to just like bash their head against the wall like don't you see <laughs> like don't you see how amazing but you can't they have the and it comes from I, I don't know if you've read the Kabbalion or gotten into much into hermeticism or hermetic wisdom but like they say that the the lips of wisdom are closed except to the ears that are ready to listen Mm. And like the teacher will present itself basically when the student is ready. So it's, it's a hundred percent true. And, and it's true in life. It was true. Even as I look at my journey, like I'm sitting here like, man, I wish I knew about making money online when I was 17. Like all these guys have started so much sooner, have so much more money. Or I wish I started training a specific way when I was younger. So I could have made better gains at that time or eaten this better diet at whatever. So I'm like, gosh, I wish I knew. But the truth is I wasn't ready then. Yeah. I had to go through these other experiences. I had to pick the wrong partner to one day find the right one. I had to become overweight to get in the best shape of my life. I had to become dramatically unconscious. For some people, it might be substance dependent. It might be a toxic relationship. Sometimes you have to go through it to be ready to learn and ready mm -hmm. to step into it. And that's when it becomes beautiful because one, you have the story to tell, but two, you're truly ready to receive it in like a genuine way and not just like a, I know I should be doing this. So I'll kind of parrot what right. I see other people do, but like an authentic self stepping into the action and alignment. I love that. So even, even now in shifting focus with what you're doing and where you plan to, to go in the future, I know we talked about trying not to attach to the future and being present, but what are your goals with uh, the Vitruvian man program going forward? Good question. I mean, I think right now, uh, it is very, I'm being, I'm trying to be guided as much by intuition and daily action as possible. 
so it doesn't end up looking like a lot of on paper goals and KPIs, but I, I want to continue to really invest in the guys that do work with me right now as while the kind of audience size is lower um, and make sure that that is affecting real valuable change. Uh, I don't know if you've read a thousand true fans. It's like a famous internet article when kind of the internet was coming around. It's this idea that you'll be set for life. If you have a thousand people that are kind of willing to die for you, like believe full heartedly in you as a person would buy anything you sell um, and really subscribe to the mission. So I look at me starting that journey now at 23 and if I've accumulated 10, 15, 20 of them, however many people listen to my podcast, that's a pretty good start for now. And so I'm willing to play. I'm trying to basically align my life as much with the things that I'm willing to do for the rest of it as possible. Mm. I don't want to take temporary vehicles and it's very tempting. Like there are guys with e-commerce and social media management, like all these other different business models that I'm fully capable of. Um, making really, really absurd amounts of money. And it's tempting. I think the money is the shiny, uh, it's the the golden handcuffs. It's very tempting. It's shiny. Like we want to go towards it. But I'm trying to, like I said, when I want to live my perfect life, I want to live that all the way up and through my success path rather than defer in favor of something different. So I do want to continue to build exactly what I'm building, which is helping people transform themselves and really see the value in themselves make genuine transformations um, with the program specifically. I'm looking to potentially do like mastermind events in the, in the future, like exclusive to men who have gone through my program, but take what's currently a digital space and bring it into reality. Um, allow people to experience just really high end networking, physical connection, um, breath work, meditation, training, whatever it may manifest into, but kind of curate and create really special events that I wish existed in the world. Right. Um, so that's something exciting, something I'm kind of workshopping right now, but continue to develop the program. And then with podcasting and writing and putting out content, I'm trying my best to avoid things that are trendy, things that are high leverage. You know, everyone's screaming, like I'm sure you see on money, Twitter, like short form content, put up clips, like <laughs> five posts a day you know there's everybody's got rules and regulations for this stuff but i'm trying to and maybe that's again the naive naivete and maybe i could be making more money if i played the game a bit better but i really do want to live in full alignment from top to bottom starting as soon as possible so i want to make and write things that are beautiful to me i want to make meaningful connections with people and if that means less than more that's fine i'll just play a slower game but i will have loved it the whole way through and uh, so that that's a very long-winded, non-concrete answer, as typical, I guess, of my interest <laughs> are on this podcast. But basically, just kind of growing and and letting the brand expand into what it's meant to be. Take trying to kind of tap into intuition and source. I actually I didn't know that you were going to be doing your fast, but I my parents were asking kind of what I wanted for my birthday, and I haven't known what to ask for my birthday in years. <laughs> uh, but this year, I put on my list when I was writing out my goals for 2023, I wanted to do a silent retreat and mm. a five day fast. Nice. And so I was like, "Would you drive me to the woods and drop me in a cabin for <laughs> five days, uh, so I could do this?" And so that's kind of upcoming for me. Sometime in April, I'll be doing a five-day silent retreat paired with a five-day fast. That's awesome. Um, and it is very malaligned with making money and chasing your goals. You know, it's five days off the business, five days off of work, five days off of quote-unquote productivity. But I've had this sense, one, I've been kind of just on button for the last 10 or 12 months. 
just consuming and also creating um, in a pretty violent fashion. And I've loved it. I really have. But I know that there are things that I need to digest for me personally mm-hmm. that have gone on both with my personal life and just with what I'm doing with my life. So I want to gain clarity and create that stillness and that quiet so that I can hear God and intuition and, and be spoken to and just see what it comes to me. I'm not going in with any specific goal, but I'm sure, you know, even as you've articulated on this podcast, you learn things about yourself and I've never done a fast that far extended. I've been experimenting with fasting a lot and I'm still healing my relationship with food. Um, if I'm being completely honest, like I going through my kind of body of image issues in the past developed interesting relationships with food because it becomes kind of an input output relationship. Like, Mm. and you start to see what works. It's like, Oh, I just, I can restrict calories and then get shredded. That's awesome. And so I don't think that's how we should view feud ultimately. So it kind of creates this unhealthy restrict binge kind of cycle that is common in like bodybuilding circles. So I'm still kind of healing that relationship. Uh, Eating nutrient dense foods has done a lot for me, but also fasting has done a lot for me too. Knowing that it's okay if you don't eat for a day, right? Not only is it okay, but it's actually very good for your body. And yeah, just getting out of constant consumption, both physically and obviously seeing all stimuli to zero, no books. I'm only going to take, you know, pen and paper so that I can output what is nice, what comes into my crazy brain for five days while I'm starving myself. <laughs> um, and yeah, no, I, I just, I'm, I'm really eager to see what comes of that. I have a intuitive feeling that it will be powerful, whatever it is, whether it's emotional healing, relationship healing, or a business premonition that I'll change the direction of what I'm working on. But yeah, excited to see what comes to me and is shown to me. Uh, I'm also in like definitely a feedback phase where it's early enough in my journey that if a client says I need to add content in this thing, I add it. If I feel like I should completely change the brand direction or the aesthetic of my page or the type of content I'm uploading. I just do it. I'm not married to anything. Um, I'm I'm really just kind of like enjoying the explorative space, but doing it with intention and I guess optimism. Dude, that's awesome. And um, having this conversation with you is the exact reason that I started this podcast and um, what drives me to continue to get to know people and network because you're extremely aware, extremely insightful, um, regardless of your age. So don't let that get to your head either. Uh, you you have a lot of phenomenal things to share with the world. And I think that you're going to continue to do big things and make big strides even when they're not expected. So um, please continue to do what you're doing. Continue to put out your ideas, thoughts. Um, yeah. Uh, if we were in person, I feel like we could literally do this for five, six hours without even blinking. Cause typically I run out of steam on zoom after like maybe an hour, but, um, I, I feel like I didn't even realize that we were almost two hours into the conversation. So, um, you're, you're a phenomenal guest. Uh, I loved having you on. Um, where could people reach you if they want to get in contact with you or what's the best place? Absolutely. Um, you're extremely complimentary. So thank you. Um, it really does mean a lot. And I mean, a hundred percent reciprocated. I can't wait for you to come on my podcast. <laughs> uh, cause I, like I said, there's, I mean, I haven't had the opportunity to really dig into your brain. There's so much I want to ask you and allow you to share your story. 
So that'll be awesome for everyone listening. There will be part two. Um, <laughs> so stay tuned on our on our channels. We'll kind of blast that out to the world. But for people who are curious about what I'm working on, uh, you can find my Twitter at Z-D-S-C-H-E-N-K-E-N. Um, my Instagram that I post podcast clips as well as kind of my writings. It has art and is kind of a creative project is at Vitruvian Gentleman. Uh, Twitter is definitely kind of thoughts, le- teachings, learnings. It's very free form, but it's a lot of myself. Um, and then the YouTube channel is where I post the long form video of my podcast, as well as I'm hoping to diversify content. You know, training is a big part of my life. So I'd like to potentially incorporate some stuff on that in there. But again, it's very free form, but you could find that if you just search the Vitruvian Man Project or my name, Zach Shankin, on YouTube, it'll come up. Uh, you can find my podcast under the same name, The Vitruvian Man Project, on Spotify and Apple. Forward to our episode, and I've greatly enjoyed this one. So I look forward to that. And uh, again, I, I really appreciate one, the opportunity, two, the connection, three, the conscious conversation, and certainly your kind words. Zach, you're the man.